Well, happy Easter, everyone, uh, from downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here, a.k.a. the guy that they put in the back of the room to clap at the end of the worship songs, right, to get everybody else clapping. They kind of do that with me, too, which is nice. But, um, hey, I'm so excited that you are here on Easter Sunday. This is such a huge day for us. We are so thankful that you are here. Um, we're going to give you a little context kind of for who we are on the front end of this message because Easter is one of those days where just new people come, and that's so exciting to us. But I just have a question for you kind of as we start. Did you ever have any like Easter traditions as a kid, right? Do you remember any Easter traditions that you had as a kid, you did as a kid, or maybe, like my mom would always put me in a suit, right? And I don't know why that happened, like why she felt like this day needed to be in a suit, right? And she would always like, we would always do family pictures, right? And I don't know why, but they, they had to be in front of the bushes. And she was always like, you know, stand in front of the bushes. And I was like, why? She's like, because it's Easter. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe, like maybe you got Easter baskets, right? Like maybe you did that as a kid. And that was a really cool thing because you got to have more candy and more toys. And like, my mom always put a deck of cards in ours. I could never figure it out, right? And said the Easter bunny brought it, okay? A deck of cards for of all things. And then maybe some of you, the peeps were a part of your you know, family tradition. I don't know if you know, you know peeps, but they only seem to come out around this time of year. Like then they, you know, I don't, inventory goes away for the rest of humanity except for like the week of Easter, right? But you might maybe have experienced peeps before. Now, we actually had this idea at Downtown Harbor Church that we immediately canned because we were actually going to hand out individual peeps on your way in the door this morning. And so John, our executive director, he said to us, he goes, are you really think that pe people are going to come into the church, you're going to give them a peep that you've touched and they're going to want to eat it. And I was like, good point. Let's ditch that one, right? But see, I believe this about Easter, right? I believe this about peeps, and this is so important. There's only one way to eat a peep, and here it is, right? How to eat peeps, throw them in the trash, okay? Because they are disgusting. Like, who's eating these things, right? Who's like these marshmallow wrapped in sugar? And I know there are some of you who like them, so don't be offended. Come back next week still, right? Okay? It's but it's important for us to understand, like, these are, you know, toxic to your health, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're just not peep fans around here. But one of the things that I wanted to do at Downtown Harbor Church was I wanted to take a minute on Easter Sunday at the top of the message to tell you a little bit about us as a church. We are about an 18-month-old church plant, and this is just so awesome that we've been doing this for 18 months now. And one of the things that we tried to do when new people come in is we try to give them a little bit of perspective of who we are and kind of what we're all about, especially people who are trying to figure out, hey, we might see them online or on the website. Who are these guys? What are they trying to do over here. So I wanted to tell you a couple of things that we don't have at Downtown Harbor Church, at least not frequently, and that's important to us. Number one, weirdos. There's just not a lot of weirdos around here, okay? And I mean, I might be like the lead one of maybe a weirdo, but here's, we're just normal, everyday people kind of walking through life together. You're not going to find a, a bunch of religious weirdos who are trying to get you to do something that you probably don't want to do, right? We are, we claim, we, you know, kind of pride ourselves on not being weirdos, which is important. Another thing that we just haven't seen a, a lot of around here, which we think that you might relate with, is this. Women in hats, okay? For whatever reason, there just aren't a lot of women in hats here. Like, I mean, well, I figured I might see one today on Easter, but no, there's not a lot of women in hats. And that's okay. Like, if you want to wear a hat sometime, you can. We just don't have a lot of women in hats around here, okay? Let me tell you something else that we don't do here, and this is a really important piece of our DNA. We don't pass the plate, if you want to give, that's awesome. Those silver gray tins in the back on the way out, that's a great way to do it. But we don't pass the offering plate. And we wanted to talk about why we don't do that in a very strategic way. Because it's odd, okay? It's never in the Bible that you need to actually pass the plate, okay? And so people are kind of looking, hey, did that person give? Did this person give? And it's just uncomfortable for folks. So we do not pass the plate. I said when we opened our message that my title was a little bit different, that I'm called the lead communicator around here. People go, people have 
ask me, hey, so what does that mean, the lead communicator? So where's the pastor of the church? Okay, is he around? And like, actually, that kind of is my role here. But we didn't want to title me pastor when we started this church for a very specific reason. Because I get to go on planes a decent amount in my life, I get to sit next to people. I generally have my ear pods in so I don't have to talk. But when I do, okay, people will say to me, hey, what do you do for a living? And I would say, hey, that's awesome. I'm glad you asked. I'm a pastor. And then they don't want to talk to me anymore, okay? And so that is why we titled myself lead communicator. So I'm a lead communicator, and that's what I do around here. And those are just a couple of things that are strategic about our church, which we think is just important for you all to understand about us and our DNA and who we are. It's really essential to what we do. But as we're in the middle of this five-week talk, conversaries, you know, series, with conversation, whatever you want to call it, right? It's called Say What? And so people were telling me from time to time, hey, you know, you can't just say, say what? Because it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, how am I supposed to say it? And they're like, you're supposed to go, say what? And I'm like, well, I'm not really good at that. So I don't want to say it that way, but I've been doing it every week just so people can understand what we're talking about. Because what we are in the middle of is a five-week talk, series, conversation about five of the wildest things that Jesus ever said. Because Jesus said some wild stuff. Jesus said some wild, wacky stuff that the people of the time when they were hearing this, they're like, I don't know what's coming out of this guy's mouth, but this is a little crazy to me. This is a little bit hard to understand. He said stuff that was so interesting and so transformative that dare I say, we as a nation and as a group of people might not even be here today had his followers not listened to what he said. And so he said some really wild stuff. And the stuff that Jesus said actually transformed humanity. The stuff that this guy said transformed history, not only the culture of the time, but as I said, a long history. The things that came out of this guy's mouth transformed everything about life. And so for the last two weeks, we've been in the middle of this, right? This is week three. But on the first week, we said this, the first shall be last. That's what Jesus said. You know what it means? It basically means, hey, if you're going to be first, you have to be last. Living a life of sacrifice and service for, don't miss this, other people. Put yourself last and you'll actually be first. And then last week we talked about what I said was the wildest one that I've ever heard, even though I kind of made that up. It's not. Today's the wildest one I've ever heard. But last week we talked about this. He said, don't worry. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a crazy one. And if you were here last week, you saw me go, hey, you probably think the guy up on stage, you know, has a life altogether and doesn't deal with any of the things that he's talking with us about. And that's not true because right after I announced it, I pulled my anxiety medication out of my back pocket and put it there for all of us to stare at, you know, during the, during the message. And then we get to today which is really the craziest one of all time that he ever said. It transformed everything. Everything changed when he said this one and then actually did it. He said this. He said, I'm going to die and come back. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I've, I, I've seen you do some miracles, Jesus. I've, I've, I mean, I've seen you, you know, be a person that I never thought I would ever see before, but did this one... Like, are you a whack job? You can't die and come back. I've seen people dead. Nobody can come back from the dead. This is impossible. And you're telling us that you're going to die physically, take your last earthly breath and come back? He goes, that's what I'm telling you. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, it says this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself at that point. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be, don't miss this, killed. I have, to, I have to die, right? And after three days, rise again. 
So if you're somebody hearing this for the first time and you're going, wait a second, okay, I've seen this guy, guy do some crazy stuff, some miracles maybe, but here's the question that I would have. Why believe him? Why would we believe Jesus, right? Why would we believe what this whack job is saying? I'm going to die and come back? Is he out of his mind? Is he out of his gourd? What's, what's wrong with this guy? Why believe him? Furthermore, the people who were his closest friends, his followers, were actually not even too happy about this. They were like, wait a second, Jesus, you're telling me that like, you're going to leave us? I mean, you're doing these crazy cool things. I'm watching you. You're healing the sick, the blind. Like, you're going to leave us? You have to die? Why? Why do you have to do this? I don't understand it. I don't get it. But see, because Jesus was saying this crazy stuff, he was gaining popularity, gaining followers, and people who were in charge of the time, religious leaders in the government, they weren't too happy about this. Because, see, they didn't want to lose any of their power. They didn't want to lose any of their control. Maybe to this nut who's claiming to be the Messiah and says, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If this happened, like, we, we can't have this, right? We cannot have this. So they did a couple of things to him. And I'm going to kind of give you the Reader's Digest of these events and go through what happened, which led up to his crucifixion. See, Jesus was actually betrayed by one of his own. One of his own followers, Jesus was betrayed by. His name was Judas. And he was betrayed by one of his own. And Judas led the government right to him, right to Jesus. And in that moment, the government did something. Even though they couldn't find anything wrong with him, Judas betrayed him. And then they arrested Jesus. They arrested him. And then after they arrested him, they put him on trial. And they put him on trial for what? They couldn't even find anything wrong with him. Crimes that he didn't commit. They said, I can't. What did he do? Right? But eventually, Jesus was actually sentenced to death. And then they gave him the most painful capital punishment death that you could ever possibly think of. Horrific. Should be outlawed in any country in our world. They put him to death via crucifixion. And so, you know what? I've heard the word crucified. I've heard the word crucifixion. If you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard it as well. But I was like, what's the actual definition of crucifixion? What does this actually look like? What would, the, what would Google say crucifixion is? Okay, well, here it is. Crucifixion is a historical method of, look at this, capital punishment. Now, if you're a young person in the room and you don't know what that means, let me unpack it. Capital punishment is like a form of like the death penalty, okay? And you've probably heard that phrase before. A historical method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed, and Jesus was nailed, to a large wooden beam and left to hang for several days until eventual death from exhaustion and suffocation. There was another word called asphyxiation or something in here, first service, but we had to take it out because I couldn't pronounce it, okay? So we put suffocation in there instead. And then, in that moment, after they sentenced Jesus to death on a hillside, Outside the city of Jerusalem, he was nailed to a cross, hung there to die. And then Jesus died. The scripture confirms this for us, that this is history, not some made-up fable. The scripture very, confirms this very moment. In the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 37, it says this, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry, and look at this, breathed his last. On that cross... On a hillside outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus actually took his last breath, historical evidence, and then he died. But according to Jesus, he was coming back. 
And now if I were probably witness to these events, I'd be like, well, that guy's never coming back. They nailed him to that cross. He's never coming back. But then something happened that was absolutely a miracle that shaped history, a miracle that shaped humanity when Jesus came back from the dead called a resurrection. And Jesus came back from the dead and he resurrected from the dead just as he said he would. And I'm going to kind of talk through what that looked like when people found out that he was no longer in that grave that they put him in. See, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, it says this. Don't miss this. It says, early on a Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. We don't need to talk about who these two people are. We might at another time, but we don't have time today. But they just went out to visit the tomb, probably to go pay their respects to Jesus who had died. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. The angel spoke to the women and said, don't be afraid. Now, I've never seen an angel. Maybe some of you have at some point, but like, I, I mean, like I would be afraid, right? That's the first thing they always say. Don't be afraid. Okay, right. Thanks. Okay. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come see where his body was lying. What? What he said it was going to happen, this crazy thing was going to come true. The women ran quickly from the tomb. Okay, and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. Alive, historical evidence. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers, those disciples of mine, my closest followers. Yeah, the ones who betrayed me, the ones who claimed that they didn't know me when I was on trial. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And then Jesus said something that transformed everything. And then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, confirming that he is who he said that he was the risen Messiah, that if we should believe in him and these events, and then it would, if we do that, it makes us right with God the Father, the ever-present creator of the universe, who is bigger than we could ever ask for or imagine. He's so massive and so big. So you know what? Why believe him? That's my question. Why believe this guy? The people of the time who saw it, us here today, we really ask ourselves this question, why believe him? Because he proved he was God when he rose from the grave. He goes, hey, listen, I know that like you guys think I'm a whack job, but I have to go and die and come back. You want to, you know, me to prove it? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go die and rise again, confirming that he was God. Let me kind of sidebar for a second. This is a very important moment for us as a church to understand something. So often, Christians and people who claim to be a part of this Jesus movement, right, they misunderstand something. Okay, don't miss this. Zone in. Look up here. Look up here. This is so important. They misunderstand something because they think that our faith, Christianity, is founded on a book, the Bible. So people will say, what is the basis for your faith? Well, it's the book, the Bible. That is not true, okay? Now, I believe that the scripture is inspired by God and in all, in all true, and I believe all of that. But 
Our faith is not based on a book. Here's the point. It's based on an event. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, a man who claimed to be the Messiah and then proved it. Our faith, Christianity, is based on an event, not a book. And the reason that's so important for us to understand and the reason that's so important for us to get is because for the first hundreds of years, the followers of Jesus who were witness to this event, they had no Bible. They went on faith alone. All they did was have the events that they had either directly seen or heard about. And Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah and claimed to you know, be this one who was going to make you right with God, said, I'm going to go die and rise again to prove it. And he did. And all they had, his earliest followers, was these events to go on. They had no Bible. They had no scrolls. This movement changed the world. And do you know, do you know, sorry, I'm preaching up here today. It's, you know, it's getting, okay. Do you know what this movement is rooted in? This movement is rooted in one thing, only one, love. Because Jesus said, after you believe in me and say yes to me, here's what I want you to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I want you to go love your neighbor as yourself. Go believe and then go love other people. And here's what I have to tell you. This event this resurrection of Jesus, these life-changing moments for so many of us, the reason we're sitting here today, this is the reason why we celebrate today. This is the reason that we do this at Downtown Harbor Church and we spend time with our families and we put these flowers on the stage, right? Because every church has to have the flowers on the stage like we tried to get away from it. But I was like, you know, what are we going to do? And John, the guy who was up here doing the announcements, so he was having a staff meeting with us and he goes, well, how much those cost? That's what he does, right? And I said, doesn't matter, bring the lilies, okay? No, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, this is why we celebrate today. This is why we're here this is why you're going to go spend time with family and friends throughout the day, or maybe the one that you love the most, and you're going to celebrate today. This is so, so important. So I told you I was going to tell you a lot about Downtown Harbor Church today and who we are and what we do. And one of the things that we do at Downtown Harbor Church is every single week, we always try to bring it back to the practical, okay? At Downtown Harbor Church, we always bring it back to the practical. How can you hear... What you hear on Sunday and put it into practice on Monday. If you ever leave this room going, I have no clue what that guy was talking about on that stage. We have not done our jobs properly. And so we want to make sure, and I've been in a lot of churches where I had no idea what they were talking about, okay? How can we bring it back to the practical level for you? And with this one, it's just real simple. It's a very simple one. It might be the most simple yet complex one I've ever put up on the screen. It's this. It's believe. It's believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. And here's the deal. This is not some weird, you know, come to the front thing because we know places do that and that makes people uncomfortable. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a prayer even though we think that's a good idea. There is a moment in your heart and your mind and your body where you just physically say this. Jesus, I believe that you are who you said that you are. Because he proved it. He proved that he was God when he rose from the dead. Nobody's ever done it before, except for one guy, him. And we just have to very simply in our hearts go, it's time to believe. I made this decision when I was a very young kid, probably seven, scared probably by somebody in the church that I didn't say the prayer right because I've said it, you know, 1,500 times since then, okay? 
But it was just this one moment where in my heart, I said, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say that you are. Come into my life and be the center of it. And then pivot. And then go love other people. And here's what I'll tell you. I will stand up on this stage and I will say it from this microphone and I will say it to anybody listening to our podcast online. I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart, okay? When I said yes to Jesus for the very first time, I had no idea necessarily what it meant, but I've learned as I've grown. When I said yes to Jesus, it was the single greatest decision that I'd ever made in my entire life. My wife was sitting in the chairs during the first service, and I said, the second one was that I married her, okay? And the third one was that we got the dog, okay? Because I'm telling you, the dog is cute, right? I just love this dog. If you're following me on Facebook or whatever, you'll see pictures of her. Caitlin said, do you think people get annoyed that you post so many pictures of that dog? I said, I don't get annoyed at people who post those obnoxious pictures of their children, okay? <laughs> and she's way cuter than, I'm just kidding, I'm not, okay. <laughs> She's a petite golden doodle. Check her out. Um, anyway, so it's this practical moment, right, to just believe. Because at Downtown Harbor Church, right, we always bring it back to the practical. We always bring it back to how can I put this into, my, into practice in my life? And do you know what? I have a lot of conversations with people after services, or maybe it's something like DHC Nights, which was so awesome. You need to come to the next one. It was so fun. And they say to me this. They say this a lot. This practical thing you're talking about, this seems impossible. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty impossible to do all the things that God has told us to do. But here's what I want you to know. All this practical is not just good advice. It's not just good advice that you take here and go with, right? Because people say to me, Adam, it seems impossible. How can I go and love my neighbor as myself? How can I forgive people who've wronged me? What do I need to do? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not easy because we were never called by God to do anything easy, but you can accomplish it with God by your side. You can accomplish it with Jesus in your life and things around you will be different. Your family will be different. Your community will be different when you do these practical things that we talk about with God by your side, but it starts with one moment. And for some of you, you've made this decision long ago. Some of you haven't made it yet. And I'm standing up here telling you, it was the best decision I ever made in my entire life. It was the moment where I finally, at the end of the day, said yes to Jesus. I'll tell you this though, because I believe this, is that yes, you can know God in a moment. I believe that some of you may have that moment even today. And yes, this one is true as well. It will take you a lifetime to understand what that means. Because every single day, I struggle. And I make unwise decisions and do stupid things. And bad things happen to me. And I'm like, God, where are you? And yes, you can know him in a moment. But yes, it will take you a lifetime to understand and figure out what that means. And this is why that's so important, because so many people think, okay, when I turn to God, everything's going to go right for me. Everything's going to go well for me. Not me, okay? And I don't know about you probably either, but I do know this. I do know from the bottom of my heart that I can accomplish what he wants me to do with him by my side. And him being by my side is just saying yes to Jesus. Because Jesus claimed to be this ever-present Messiah that people had been waiting for for a long, long time. And then he said, hey, I'm going to go die, but don't worry, I'm coming back. That's how I'll prove to you that I am 
who I said that I am. And I believe this at the end of the day. Jesus is who he said he was. I truly believe that if you embrace this, that everything in your life will be different through the bad times and the good times. When you embrace this and say yes to Jesus, just that moment, it changes everything. And I'll never forget when I first started to understand who God was and who Jesus was and how he transformed our life. And then I started to ask myself the same question that I asked you all earlier. Why believe him? Why do that? Why would I believe this whack job in my life? Why would, uh, maybe he's not telling the truth. But you know why I believe it? Because he went to a cross on a hillside outside of a city and died the most gruesome, painful death you could ever imagine. And then three days later came back and people saw him. He appeared to people, and this is documented history. And I have to tell you something. This is just me talking to everybody here today. If you are someone who predicts your own death and resurrection, I'm with you. It's that simple. And that's what he did. The only person ever. And today, Easter, why we take pictures in front of the bushes, right? This is what we celebrate. This is why we do this. And for so many, we miss that moment. We miss that moment to give something back to God because he sent Jesus to die so that we could live. All you got to do is say yes. All you got to do is embrace it. I did. And everything, every day since has been different in my life. Let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that just needs to say yes and have a simple moment of I believe this, that they would just do that in their own heart and in their own mind right now. And maybe they're going to turn to you for the first time and then pivot their life and then go show love to others because that's what you call us to do. And God, I know that you are hearing and answering any of those prayers. And Father, I am so thankful that you sent Jesus to die so that we could live. Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life so that we could actually be made right with God should we accept it. And Lord, we love you and we thank you we praise you, and we ask all these things today in the name of the one that we celebrate, Jesus. Amen.